Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. Today, this podcast has been taken over. It, it is no longer Carlo. It is Mogadit that speaks to you, me, myself, who am podcasting now. I am joined by others of my kind. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, it's me. I was trying to open uh, open this corked bottle dramatically as I... Uh, Introduced myself, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so you will hear it at some point in the next couple minutes. Yes. <laughs> uh, there cracking open a fatty climber. That, that wasn't me. me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's pop, me. Pop open a <laughs> pop open a bandling and kick your feet up by the ancient frozen tree. There you go. So uh, today uh, we decided to, or uh, we, we being me in this case, uh, I, I, I decided that we needed to remedy something. In part, I was. Whoa, um, there we go. Hey. The thing I had to remedy was that my bottle of beer wasn't open. There you go. There we go. Well, now it's open. Oh, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, ominous and black, the color of rage, as I am told. Oh, uh oh, <laughs> by the story, by the story, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, this was actually uh, somewhat uh, inspired by Chris uh, mentioning that when we were doing our uh, Love, Death, Death and Robots season three episode, um, that you know, there weren't a lot of stories in that uh, show that were written by women. And then mm -hmm. I started thinking about, you know, the short fiction that we've <clears throat> talked about in general, it's at least recently has been very sort of male centric. We did some Bradbury. We, you know, uh, we talked about the cold equations, you know, and all that good stuff. But uh, I also needed a, an excuse to catch up on a particular blind spot for me, which is, uh, James Tiptree Tree Jr. and um, great and, another uh, man. Yes, another <laughs> white dude <laughs> shaking my damn head. Um, the, the funny thing is that um, that uh, Alice Sheldon, a, a also known as James Tiptree Jr., uh, maintained uh, basically maintained kayfabe for I want to say like more than a decade. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Uh, yes, yes. Didn't she? Um, didn't she continue publishing as uh, like even, even? I mean, did it? Did, did it? Did it come out while she was alive, or was it after she passed away that? No, that, no, uh, no. She was she was publishing uh, while she was still alive. Like, um, no, no. Like I, I mean, this, I mean, I mean. Uh, did 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 people know that she was Alice Sheldon when she was uh, like alive, or did that happen? 
after she passed it, away. Because I, I, for some reason, thought that it became common knowledge, but she kept publishing as James Tiptree anyway. That is correct. Okay. Um, the, 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 I think that towards the end where I think, um, like, uh, around the time that this story was published in 1973, the general consensus was that, um, that James Tiptree Jr. was obviously an alias to protect someone else's identity. Um, and uh, there was some speculation as to, you know, the the professions and obviously some sort of um, int- intelligence officer immediately came to, to mind for a lot of people, <laughs> which is funny because uh, she did have a, a very, uh, I, I thought it was longer, but had a short stint, uh, like a three year stint, uh, both her and her then husband um, were uh, asked to join the CIA. Um, mm. And I mm. think it was in 52 and she did not care for it. She did not care for the work uh, and left in 55 to pursue studies. Um, I, I think it was um, shit. I had it up here. I think it's a psychology major that she was studying for Uh, experimental psychology. Uh, She wrote a doctoral dissertation on the responses of animals to novel stimuli in differing environments. Which you know what uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna count that as a way to tie this directly into this somewhat wild mm-hmm. experimentally written uh, I think it was uh, categorized as a novelette for the Hugos, but mm. it is not uh, what a current novelette. Yeah, it's, it's a short story. Uh, it's a little over is. six thousand. It's like sixty-five yeah, okay. hundred, I think. I I just want to interject because I don't feel like it was said directly. Um, it was. Uh, it became widely known that uh, James Tiptree was uh, Alice Sheldon in 1977, and she lived and continued to publish until 1987. Okay. Apparently, well, was, uh, she also used okay. the pen name Raccoona Sheldon. <laughs> I love that. I honestly love that uh, that pseudo that her, that numb to plume her 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 persona. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, there are there is some controversy uh, given uh, towards the end of her life, and I was going to talk uh, to talk uh, just very briefly before we get into the story that uh, there was a until I believe it was two thousand nineteen. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, 2019. That um, there was a James Trip Tree Jr. Award, um, mm-hmm. and in the aftermath of uh, the changeover from the uh, Campbell Award and the Jeanette Ng uh, speech, uh, there was a re sort of litigation of what exactly happened and the. Uh, I think even the biographer who studied, um, you know, Alice Sheldon's life, uh, you know, basically confirmed that, uh, the, the, the reasons for the change in the name had nothing like, were not really based on anything except, uh, possibly just some discomfort with things now. Right. So, uh, apparently, uh, her, she and her husband had, agreed that if both of their health uh both of their 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 health failed um they would enter a murder suicide pact 
and there was evidence of this. Uh, she called her lawyer, and uh, he had. Uh, uh, it's Huntington Sheldon, also named, uh, commonly known as Ting, I think. Um, basically, had gone blind. Uh, Rakuno was str- struggling with her own sort of mental uh, mental health issues and a couple of other things. Oh, and heart issues. That was that's what it was. And uh, she decided to, you know, quite literally, uh, you know, pull the trigger on that and uh, called her lawyer. And that was that. Um, So in 2019, uh, people got very sort of uh, displeased with that and decided that they were going to rename the award. So Uh, I'm sorry, I I might have missed something. So there was an award named after James Tiptree Jr. Mm -hmm. and they changed it to something. It's now called the Otherwise Award. Okay. Um, and I believe it's because a, they were an, because people were uncomfortable with the fact that she she took her own life or killed uh, her husband. She, she called her husband. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. I mis I misunderstood. I mean, there were there were some uh, some some of the wilder accusations was that um, she was ableist because of the fact that he'd gone blind, mm. and um, you know one. Uh, that sort of erases his own sort of agency in that whole affair. Uh, if we're going to believe the the evidence and the, I believe that they, they even had like a little uh, signed document and everything. Um, and her biographer, who went over all the primary sources, is had to change her bio to James. You know, uh, the uh, what is it? Biographer to Ursula K. Le Guin and James Tiptree Jr., who is not a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to, just to move things onto a lighter note for a second. Yeah, I this is like a real to, light story. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, we need we need to grab these moments when they can. I'd like to read the Silverberg quotes really quickly, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. Just a few sentences. Okay, so Robert Silverberg wrote, It has been suggested that Tiptree is female, a theory I find absurd, because there is to me something ineluctably masculine about Tiptree's writing. Mm. He, he also likened Trip Tree, Tip Tree's writing to Ernest Hemingway's, arguing there was a prevailing masculinity about both of them, that <laughs> preoccupation with questions of courage, absolute values with the mysteries and passions of life and death as revealed by extreme physical tests by pain and suffering and loss. <laughs> Eat it, Silverberg. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he, he was a, he was a very good editor. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that, that was, I think I, 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 I don't know that uh, he, he was a very good judge of character or perhaps or, or even, gender um, <laughs> or gender. Yes. Yeah. He, he, he's trying to do phrenology on the page, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So uh, let's I guess we could dip into um, like a brief. I mean, this is like a very brief overview uh or do we just want to get into the story? Itself? I think we should just talk know. because I feel like an overview is, is just going to make the story seem feel more pat than it is. Cause I mean, mm. it's a very, it's like yeah. plot wise, it's very straightforward. And I think that everything but the plot is, is the most interesting part. Like the, yes. the, the plot oh, yeah. is not super interesting. So I think we should just start talking about what we liked about it or All just right. impressions. So, so yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, so Kurt, you know what? Let me, uh, given that you've you've put your first, you put your foot forward first. I'm going to confess that 
I was hoping that you'd read this <laughs> because I will, wanted to th- <laughs> see what you thought of it. I loved this story. Um, it was it was really great. And what I loved about it was the prose is very experimental. Um, it mm. is it is not extremely experimental insofar as it's not hard to read. I would say it's actually very easy to read. Um, you can just kind of it's essentially a monologue, but one of those kind of like bouncy new wave ish monologues Mm -hmm. that's somewhat detached or is like a little bit erratic and erotic at times um and and so Mm. like it's not like a straightforward like let me sit you down and tell me and tell you a story it alternates it 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 is effectively a creature narrating to the reader but it's not always clear if it's narrating to the reader or to another character, the 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 urgency changes, the subject matter kind of drifts all over, the, the point of view changes, it goes from like narrative to recollection to back to narrative. Like it's it's never clear when and where and how it's it's positioned, but it really rides that razor's edge of getting as far afield from standard prose as you can before you like lose your footing and completely just start like drifting over the heads of some readers. So I thought it was excellent. The imagery was, was um, off putting while also being touching. Like there was literally at times Um, there's a lot of intermingling of like a, like a, like a, primal eroticism with mm-hmm. like v- very uh, what what feels like a, the story feels like it constructs taboos that don't translate into human taboos like it has that a lot of the story is about instinct at some level and it really captures almost in like a in like a in like a in like a sexualized Jack London way the the way that instinct itself and the control it has over creatures and ourselves can feel alien um so that's the, mm-hmm. the, it, and all that really connected with it i thought it was i thought it was terrific and it was just it was just very well written like evocatively written um there was one there was one line that was repeated a couple times that was very poetic. Uh what was it? Hold on a second. Um uh, I'll you know what? I'll I'll come back to it. It's oh no, here it is. Uh the cold, the cold will hold you. Chill cold, kill cold, in the cold I killed you. Um that has a very like almost like Lewis Carroll lyricism to it and i i which which is another thing i love everything i liked was in this story interesting you you know where i went oh go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna say that to me it sounds like a child's sing song Mm -hmm. right like a rhyme that you teach a child to protect to to remind them to protect themselves Mm -hmm. Uh, and and it's wonderful but go ahead pete i'm sorry well i thought this was uh the the, i didn't go to children's rhymes i went to chorus greek myths i mean Mm -hmm. this this is a Mm -hmm. greek myth where the gods are biological imperative Mm -hmm. Mm. yep yeah Yeah, that's a good take yeah yeah Hmm. That, that that comes across yeah there's, Chris, there's definitely you, uh, to, to, oh, to your point real, real quick carlo i agree about like the child there, there there is a lot of emphasis on the transition from child to adult and the uncomfortable 
mingling of those two worlds, though. So I think you're right mm-hmm. on too. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think you're Mike's both right. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Kurt. You you are the peacemaker. Um, uh, so, um, what was I going to say? The um, oh the 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 thing that struck me is that this is um this was originally written for an anthology uh what was it called again um it was called the alien condition right mm. uh and this uh, actually uh was published in 1973 won the nebula award for uh best short story in 1973 uh and i think was on the hugo ballot for the for for the same you know for that same year um I did want to point out that uh, one of the things that's really um, that really drew me in. Did uh, did any of you listen to the narration of it? I did. Uh, what did you think, Chris? Uh, the The narrator was phenomenal. Um, I, I think he did a great job of catching uh, the cadence of the writing and um, like really making it. Uh, you know at times like poetic even though it's not like in any sort of like meter or, or rhyme scheme but it's like it's very um especially when it starts going on like those r- repeated phrases like the cold kill type stuff um I, and I, he just had this like deep sonorous uh voice i i really thought it was great uh so i i, I what i really appreciated about this story was its way of uh alienating the reader uh in that it's talking about a very alien creature with like a, a somewhat indescribable, you know, like it, it gives hints at it's the form of the creatures it's talking about, but never like a full picture. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, it, you know, on top of that, it, it uses the form of like this alien style of like um, the, like the writing, the, the prose is almost alien in its, because it's not the traditional flowing prose that we're used to. So it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, it, it's it's really putting you uh, in this situation while also connecting you to some, you know, there's still humanity in, in these things in that, like, you know, it's going through like fear and love and death and, and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Chris, to your point about like the 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 humanity and kind of the alien nature of it. The only time I got afraid about where the story was going was when I was like, is this just about woolly mammoths? And then I was like, no, mm. it's not. It's too weird. They have like extra arms and shit and the woolly mammoths don't wrap their, don't, don't have like an extreme sexual dimorphism and like wrap each <laughs> other up in, in webbing. But, but yeah. I, I was briefly afraid. Okay. In, um, I'm drinking a big beer, by the way. So you're going to have some big beer thoughts in this episode. <laughs> this is the first one for me. Um, when I was in fifth or sixth grade, uh, w- there, there was this, this like short piece of, uh, narration that we, that, that we were instructed to read to discuss in class. Um, and it described a ritual whereby a, you know, there, there were, there were, uh, you know, six people arranged in a field wearing, uh, you know, white, all white clothes. And the high priest came out onto a little hill and cast the sacred orb, uh, towards the swinger. And, and, you know, it was describing a baseball game and in like weird ritual, like 
you know, pseudo religious mm. terms. And, and, and oh. the point was to get from it that like, you know, you can describe the familiar in a weird way. This is a very interesting lesson for sixth grade. Not that I think about it, but I, yeah. but, wow. yeah, but, the, but the point was like, you can describe the familiar yeah. in a weird way that makes it seem weird. Um, and, and I, I appreciated that lesson, but there's a triteness to that kind of story, right? Where it's like, oh, it's about, it's fucking about a spider or whatever. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. um, that, that's never like a, that, to me, that's never like a great feeling. Um, I've got a more extreme example. Um, have, have you ever read the, the, the reader's digest article about what archeologists would do if they came across a holiday in hotel room today? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh yeah. So they go through all this thing and it's like, well, the, the high priest wore this white thing with the, the holy phrases sanitized for mm, the protection yeah, yeah. on it. Yeah, you know, so like it's the same sort of thing, but like it was all ham. Yeah, exactly. Mm, and, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Pete, that sounds like an Andy Rooney. You could read. Ra- <laughs> 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 the, the old one. The old one in this story is just Andy Rooney in a cave, going. Like, <laughs> you ever notice the winters are getting, are getting longer? <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me they used to God be a lot it. shorter. <laughs> what what's going who made this plan <laughs> i want a so, word with the person who made this plan okay so do you do you know what so kurt thought it was woolly mammoth for a second my my thought at a, for a second was oh these are like uh robots that are, are like you know, slowly gaining sentience, and because they kept oh, following the God. plan, which I, I would thought, hate if it were. I would be so mad I, if I'm it gla- were robots. Oh yeah, I'm glad it wasn't. I'm glad it wasn't. But that was my first thought because because they're talking about the plan. I'm like, oh, that's the programming and everything. But I mean, yeah. so so Chris, let me let's dig into that a little bit because um, one of the things that struck me as I was like, I I, I finished listening to that uh, to the story. And then I, I I really started thinking about it because, um, it 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 really struck me that the that all like this is a story that is seems very much allegorical, right? Mm-hmm. But it takes the the allegory, you know, like it obviously it abstracts what you know how this is happening, um, and and then decides to. Uh, introduce the plan right and so we've we've talked about the plan right um the plan is basically uh you know what what uh you know the 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 main the main character of this which is you know mogadit um who has grown he who has grown he's no longer mogadit the small um and he is uh, or or she for all i know it's he uh, is, because yeah, yeah I, later I, I, on, I believe later it's, on, Mogadit is identified right? as a son. Um, but 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 Mogadit also claims aren't, to be um, a, a the, mother, Lily Lou's yes. mother. I got the impression that they changed gender over the course of the life cycle. Uh, well, mm. I, I think it would probably be more accurate to say that they have more than two genders, um, possibly four. At least, at yeah, least three. At least, at, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least. What, what was the thing that Biden I'm, said? He was like, he was like, there's at least seventeen or something. At least three. <laughs> at least three. Yeah. Like I, I'm sorry, guys. I've been in the science fiction game a while, 
And I could just look at a weird ass spider thing and identify its gender. That's bullshit. Pete, you're no, you're no Robert Silverberg. So, you know, so, um, if, if I may circle back to the, the idea of this allegory, right? Because the plan is, uh, I think Kurt, you mentioned that, uh, it's instinct, but it's, it's more than that, right? Because in the context of the, of the story, as we go along, we realize that there's a lot of stuff that's folded into the plan. It is instinct, but it also is um, sort of like a commentary on, you know, gender roles, what, you know, what you're expected to do, which is basically to, uh, to, you know, basically grow in, in the warm, in the warm season, uh, rest in the cold season. And God forbid you rest in the cold season with, another of your kind. So I I didn't really read it as allegory. I read it as exactly what you just said. I imagine I, I read this as let's uh as as uh Alice uh imagining a guy. <laughs> or and it's a very weird guy who has a very weird life cycle. Because uh, uh, yeah, as as near as I can understand it, the life cycle of these creatures is um you, you know they they have a brood the 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 mothers chase away the females who are very small and are red mm. and they nurture the sons and then at a certain point the mothers turn hostile and start trying to to, to chase away and or kill and eat the sons the sons are are driven by instinct to go up into the mountains and as you say eat eat another of their kind after the cold has has passed they come back down out of the mountains um and find one of the still small females and wrap it up in silk and nurture it until it and like obsessively care for it until it grows they 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 implant their their semen inside of it and and then and then the female consumes them and then eventually gives birth to another brood is what I what I understand. You there, guys? I am. Okay, so it looks like we lost Kurt for a second. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, so as he was saying, they 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 would go into the mountain, they eat one of their kind, uh, and kind of like hibernate for the winter, right? That seemed to be, um, and and like the winter, it was interesting because the cold turns them basically into. Uh, automatons did i did, did i disconnect halfway through that yes. um that yeah sucks. certainly a radical personality <laughs> where, where, I, where was that where was I, I, I heard i heard all of it i think before mm. you you dropped okay yeah I'll, I'll just reiterate just in case they come down from the mountains they find one of the still small females care for them until they're big impregnate them and then the females eat them and then it begins anew that's mm-hmm. that's what I understood the the point mm-hmm. to be, but it's 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 overlaid over this 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 question of climate change and the winters are getting longer and this is only barely able to be passed on, uh, and so there's a question of like will the plan fail and the whole species die off basically, yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so it's like being a student at Bob Jones University. So, so I, I don't even know if that joke makes sense, but it felt good. So it reminded me of a Guar song, and this is very stupid. 
Again, this is another big beer thought. We're doing a gore episode at some point. What? It couldn't be stupider than what? What I just did. So go for it, man. Oh, I was going to say, no, it's definitely stupider than what you just did. Uh, There's a (laughs) gore song called Swarm, which is is gore space aliens uh, from the beginning of time. We'll get more into it on the gore episode. Um, But it's the the band gore observing the human condition. uh, And they're basically saying, why do you keep having sex and making more humans? Humans suck. Uh, and and the lyrics are, are things like the human swarm consumes the earth. Stop breeding. Stop feeding. You eat and fuck. It's all you're worth. Stop pissing. Stop shitting. Your existence is a curse. Stop crying. Start dying. Will you please stop giving birth? That's and that's that that's Guar's judgment of of humans. And it kind of reminded me of of that to an extent where it's this tension between between instinct and like a a a third person observation of it as a death drive which is us like we're guar in this equation looking at them being like this seems kind of fucked up (laughs) yeah yeah i told you it was stupid Um, (laughs) (laughs) hey you know it's got guar in it that that's a i think that that's a redeeming factor well i mean i think i think the group argument i feel free to contradict me here is that like each one of us has has done a rashomon with the story so it's <laughs> like this it's like that mm-hmm. <laughs> and i mean i think that's that speaks to the strength of it is yeah. that it's sort of standing on its own term and we're all having to reach out yeah. to try and find an analogy yeah, yeah. There, there isn't that sentence in here that's like that, that's like attention reader this is what the story is about just to be clear <laughs> right and thank god for that Mogadit turns directly to 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 address the reader and says, "So that happened." Well, do you, do you remember? Do you remember in the Velt that how there was like one line that sucked, where it's like, "Have we yeah, let technology like the last- get away from?" <laughs> Was it well? Wasn't it also like the last line where it was like, "Okay, this is an editor's note," where it's like, "Do we need to spell out what happened to them?" Yeah, attention, <laughs> they like, ate the on, parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what. Ambiguity was uh, that. What? What? So, well, go ahead. Yeah, I, if I can switch gears a little bit, um, talking about like the the pros and the style of the pros, I I haven't really felt um in, like this since I was reading um, A Clockwork Orange by uh, Anthony Burgess, where it's written in its own like um you know verbiage and like it takes a little bit to get into it, and then like once you get going, it it, it kind of like um. You, you know, you 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 build uh, a, a, t- a skill for reading this like different mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. non traditional prose. Yeah, and 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 to to be clear, like you know what, I I just want to read like maybe the opening uh, a little bit of the opening because it, it, we're making it sound like it's really impenetrable, but it is. It really is not. It's, no, it no, really no. Invi- in, yes. in, it invites you in, but yeah. So, um, okay, so uh, I'm just going to start from the top. Remembering. Do you hear my little red? Hold me softly. The cold grows. I remember. I am hugely black and hopeful. I bounce on six legs along the mountains in the new warm. Sing the changer. Sing the stranger. Will the changes change forever? All my hums have words now. Another change. Eagerly, I bound on sunward, following the tiny thrill in the air. The forests have been shrinking again. Then I see it. It is me. Me myself. Mogadit. I have grown bigger, more in the winter cold. 
I astonish myself, Mogadit the Small. And I mean, that's, that's just the opening. It is not difficult to follow. It is just, I think, like you said, Kurt, it, you do need to sort of pay attention a little bit. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And honestly, like, it's hard not to almost sing a little bit when you read it. It reminded me of a, the sing the changes, sing the changer will my changes change forever. Reminded me of a line in um, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Mm. Uh, I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think they will sing to me. It has a similar kind of like repetition mm-hmm. um, that doesn't rhyme, but it, it uses the same. It, it repeats the same word over and over again it in slightly echo, different it, it forms and, itself, and yeah. reuses those forms. It's just I don't know. It's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, and and, and uh, like I, I, I could have continued reading, but uh, first off, that would probably be uh, <laughs> a, a a a a no no. But um, <laughs> but also like it's a six thousand plus word uh, story. We'd we'd be here till tomorrow or whatever. Um, in any case, yeah. I, I, so so we we get Mogadit meets his like finally comes out after the cold and he's grown huge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh and so uh basically eventually meets up with uh the a, a red female uh who is you know he he names lily lou and then decides I, that's the thing i'm i'm not entirely sure because once mugadit um sort of gets it into uh his head that he wants to defy the plan. I'm unsure if the binding uh, ritual that we see is common, if it's like a typical thing, or if it's something that he has devised uh, because he's gotten the the information my, from the old one. My impression was that when he thought he was defying the plan, he was still following the plan because yeah. he was pi- he was storing all this food. And then, surprise, surprise, his lover gets super big and is pregnant. Mm. So I interpreted that as he was unwittingly still kind of like a slave to to the plan. Mm. That yeah, I mean, that's that's the I, I do think that that's the irony of the the entire thing, right? That uh, Mogadi thinks he has outsmarted <laughs> somehow the plan uh, and and does all this stuff. And yeah, like yeah. you said, Kurt, I think. He 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 walks right into. You know it. what's interesting is that, that there's kind of a parallel between this and like missile gap, where it's this question of like, can you pass information between between catastrophes, mm. essentially? Interesting, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. I keep I keep getting disconnected, so I'm trying to speak in bond knots instead of uh, bond mots rather. Uh, a bond knot is a stupid thing that you said, <laughs> uh, and instead of uh, soliloquies. <laughs> mm. I, I just understood it as Don Knotts, and I was like, yeah. okay, so you're going to do impressions now. <laughs> like, get your bullet out of your pocket. <laughs> Sorry, ACAB includes uh, Don Knotts' character. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, let me go meta and, and talk about this episode for a second, rather than the actual story. Um, I feel like we're running into a problem here. And the problem is... The work is speaks for itself and isn't very long. Like mm. we we aren't having a disagreement as about what it, what it's about. We all like it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if we explain the plot, it would take four minutes tops. As long as it wasn't me doing it and getting disconnected. <laughs> I, well, okay. We, maybe that's what we should do for the rest of the episode. Then. <laughs> <laughs> how, fa- how fast can I explain the plot before I get disconnected? <laughs> it's like a supermarket sweep. Okay. Kurt suddenly becomes like the, the mini machines guy. <laughs> I, I'm the cinema sins guy. Ding. <laughs> oh God. No, let's not do that. <laughs> I don't think that's a problem. I, I think that's great. Like, like I love just riffing. Like, I don't think we need to be opposed about it or opposed to the piece or like trying to interrogate the piece. I, I, I agree that it speaks to itself, but like th- to me, this, this feels like we all just, just got out of a movie and we're like, that was fucking awesome. And we're just psyched <laughs> about it, which to me is like some of the yeah. greatest stuff. Like, I think that's good. So- <laughs> I, I need to run downstairs because all my dogs just did and they're shrieking at something. I'm a little nervous. So enjoy guys. I'll be right back. <laughs> all okay. right. <laughs> this chewy moment brought to you by um so yeah uh, the plan, the plan. I- indeed <laughs> chewy does have a plan <laughs> could you imagine if that was like the the cylons plan it's just getting colder <laughs> I, you, so uh, this is just going to be me calling out a thing i liked but uh i really like the like the idea like the the visual of like how massive uh this uh, the guy was the main the main character. And he just he's just always like talking about like how he's like just crashing around the the you know crash crashing through forests and stuff like that, knocking over trees, eating the the fatty climbers as he called them. Uh, I, I like that it, the story has like a real sense of scale to it. Mm-hmm. Well, he he's also uh, like it, it continues for a while because he's still not used to being that big. Yes, yeah. So I think it it also um you know that that's sort of like a um a callback to 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 what Kurt was mentioning which is you know that there is a certain um level of like growing up right mm. uh uh so so you know the 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 uh, what is it the gawkishness yeah. not the gawkishness the um the awkwardness uh, of of like an adolescent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I yeah. hope this wasn't. Which? Oh, which, go, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no. Ahead. I, I, okay. I, I was going to say, uh, uh, Chris, uh, uh, about the massiveness. My favorite part was was when uh, Mogadit is like, "Oh shit, Frim is trying to fight me," and then suddenly Mogadit is like, "I like I I come to like." in the wreckage of Frim or whatever it is. There's just yes. the fucking blood yeah. and guts and entrails all over the place. And it's just like, like he's, he's in the midst of eating yeah. him. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, this, well, that happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're but, red. They're red now. <laughs> and I liked that. He was just like, you know, I, I I didn't eat him though. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That was, yeah. It, there's a, there's a nice like calibration. Like, I posted something online recently that that was like the thing that I love about about like sci-fi and fantasy is the unfamiliar becoming familiar, and this had so much mm. of that where it's like you 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 come to appreciate that like that he, that's meant as a gesture of respect. That's that's the first mm-hmm. inclination of like defying the plan out of respect for for someone else, and that means a lot to Mogadit, even though Mogadit at yeah. the same time is like, oh fuck, like I can't, like I have to kill, I have to kill. It's just it's just like what I have to do. Yeah. So, so one of the things that, um, and, and Kurt, you, you sort of mentioned that like almost at the beginning, uh, that is absolutely part of this as well is the fact that, uh, 
there is like this weird, um, like this off-puttingness, mm-hmm. this off-putting sensuality, right? That that you start noticing, and and for a story that is sort of like um, about undescribable monster Lovecraftian mm-hmm. style alien monsters, mm. um, it is. Uh, surprisingly like horny right it's yeah. not it's not just me so, so, yeah no i thought yeah. it was hot so, <laughs> okay can you can you guys hear me am i audible now i'm not disconnected right okay yes, sir. so yep. so mm-hmm. humans have a tendency to see objects things in the world as either things i can have sex with and things i can't have sex with right like like it's kind of a binary right like there is the sexual well, you know, world the- and, the, and the non-sexual world right the big Lebowski quote, that guy treats objects <laughs> exactly. like they were women. Exactly, yes. And, and I think the story is uncomfortable because it's a gradient, right? Like like when, when Mogadit first encounters Lili uh, Lee, Lili Lee is not is not a sexual object to Mogadit, right? It's an object to be cared for and nurtured. He even calls himself, I, I am mother. And later, yeah. the transition for, uh, into sexual object is uncomfortable to us as humans because we we don't have those kind of transitions. We like to be like, this is something I can have sex with, and this is something I can't have sex with, and there's no variance between these worlds. In the animal world, it's mm-hmm. it's it's totally normal to 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 for for that to to not be the case. And I think it's very off putting to read that in a first person point of view. It would be just as it I would mean, be just I, as off putting to read something about, I don't know, fucking like pill bugs or something. I mean, I, I would also argue uh, you know, like not not to you know, counter that, but I would argue that adolescence is, is a barrier there, right? That, that we experience, we just don't like to think canceled, too much about canceled, it. Canceled, canceled, this guy's canceled, oh, this guy's oh, canceled. Oh. Bye everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, adolescent, adolescent, obviously, because, you know, like there's this weird barrier that when you're, you know, whatever, 13, 14, and then suddenly something clicks and you go, oh, the girl that I've been putting gum in her hair is suddenly someone that, you know, I, I don't know why, but I want to ask her to slow dance with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just imagining like the Pornhub searches in this world where it's like red, small, <laughs> silk, <laughs> cold, okay. golden, golden mother fur. Fat climbers. <laughs> Kurt, describe a pill bug. A pill bug is a ground crustacean. It's those little guys. They're also called like uh, curly ball bugs. Are armadillo uh, bugs? Yeah. Oh, roly uh, polies. Yes. Yeah, yes, the roly polies too. Yes. That's a pill bug. Isopods. If you wanted to get technical. Hey, so, I think that Carlo has a button that he's pushing that shuts my connection off as soon as I start talking about something in it. Well, well, we all. Well, it, P and I were then, and then Carlo was like disconnected or something no I, I was the last man standing on my end <laughs> oh on your end yeah i was so just I, saying i went down to a lake in the middle of the night and i saw some crayfish and one of them had only one claw and i was like cool a crayfish i didn't know that they were still yeah. around in this lake that was yeah. it that was all i was trying to say <laughs> do, do we it because this is like the second recording in a row is is cast like just unstable recently my whole connection is bouncing, so okay. mm. I it, it it may be, but I think it's also just me. So mm. I I think we can blame more than one thing. I'm totally down for this. That's right. Um, yeah, it's the I cold. Was, I had a Norman Rockwell <laughs> childhood, 
And so there was a big creek in my backyard and I would go back there and catch tadpoles and crawdads, like all of that shit. So your story connected with me, Kurt. How much of it did you actually hear? Mm. All right. Crawdad jokes. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, come on, man. That was a good pun. (laughs) Crawdad jokes. I got it. Gotcha. Is he still there for you? No. <laughs> oh, I see. Kurt, that, Kurt doesn't want to answer difficult questions or hear difficult answers. No way! No way! I'm here. What happened? What happened? <laughs> oh well, we just had an irony moment where we were explaining when we first uh, when we lost the connection with you, and you you promptly responded by losing connection. <laughs> <laughs> we should like, probably oh, wrap well. this episode up. Yeah, yeah this is instead of trying to tell increasingly long stories <laughs> that get interrupted by cast crashing. Yeah, um, this is going to be a real chaos mode entropy. Uh, uh, Elric, uh, Houses of Chaos, uh, sort of episode. Okay. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, we can end this by saying that the lagging is growing longer. Mm, yeah, the yes. lagging is growing longer, Carlo. Okay, I do think we should wrap this up, but before we do, um, Kurt, uh, uh, how did you meet your wife? Tell us that story. How did I meet my wife? Uh, <laughs> online, she sent. It was on uh, OK Cupid, and she sent me a nudge. Uh, I lived in Philadelphia, and I used to wear uh, to wear all black and uh, sneakers with uh, shorts and tall socks, which is not a good look. Uh, and uh, can you still hear me? Mm-hmm. Yes. How is okay, it possible? Good. <laughs> okay, good. So she was moving to Philadelphia for grad school, and she was looking to meet to meet someone in Philadelphia, and I was looking to meet people, and she sent me a nudge on OK Cupid, and I said, "Okay, cool." And then we went and we had dinner together at an Indian restaurant on South Street, and uh, that was pretty much it. Uh, and I, I'll tell you my move. Can you, can you still hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay, life. good. My one move was uh i lived in an apartment building which which had a roof you could access through a rickety stairwell and i said do you want to go up on the roof and watch the sunset and she said yes we went up there and we kissed oh that was it that was that was my move nice good move and it worked yeah but but just like just like assassinating margaret thatcher it only has to work once (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah you say that but uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but Margaret Thatcher keeps coming back well she metaphorically in my case yes it's my point she, there, there's a, the, between her and Reagan there's an Excel spreadsheet with their stupid trickle down austerity shit that they, uh, serves as their phylactery and they live on through that <laughs> fuckers they're, they're on the blockchain uh, what if the NHS is Margaret Thatcher's phylactery Anyway, so uh, so anyway, yes, uh, we are now digressing in many, many chaotic directions. Uh, I will just warn everyone that the winters are growing longer. So read this the story. Is, this is this is the best story that we've read so far, I think, or that that Carlo has asked me to read anyway. Hmm. In my opinion, this is this is like instant, instant, instantly memorable forever for me. So good, very good. That's it's a hard one. I, I really like the Little Goddess a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's that's true. That's true. I I think I like this more than Little Goddess. I'll just Man. say this is a damn good story. I'm comfortable staking that ground out. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a big sip and going, that's a damn fine story. Indeed. <laughs> Pete's on his uh, on a rocking chair, just like you know, damn good story. I yep. <laughs> All right, so uh, folks. 
Uh, we're going to link the story in the show notes. Uh, make sure to read it. If you're so inclined, uh, listen to the narration. The narration, as Chris and I have mentioned, is fantastic. Stefan Rudnicki really brings a quality that elevates the, the even the, the, the great prose that's there, elevates it even further. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it R- from us. RIP have- to our to to our sound editor who is very good, uh, <laughs> but will have to edit in me reconnecting like a hundred times. So I'm very <laughs> sorry. I'm very very sorry, <laughs> Adam. We appreciate you, man. All right. So uh, if there's no further last thoughts, dirty limericks. Uh, <laughs> thanks again, folks, for listening in, and we'll catch you next time here on Podside.